This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 238, and I'm talking with Vanessa Frazier. Vanessa runs with the Bowerman Track Club. Vanessa got her start to running with the program Girls on the Run. I loved hearing about that part of her story. She joined the Bowerman Track Club in the summer of 2018. So we talk about what that process looked like for her and what her first couple years with the Bowerman Track Club has looked like. When Vanessa was at Stanford, she helped the team to two runner-up finishes in the distance medley relay in, and she capped off her college career by contributing to Stanford's third place finish at the 2018 NCAA Outdoor Track Championships and by setting the school record for the 5,000 meters in a time of 15.09. Now, most recently, Vanessa was making headlines because she had a great race at the BU Invitational. She had a breakthrough race crossing the finish line in the 5K in 1448-51, a 19-second PR ahead of teammates Emily Enfeld, Courtney Freyricks, and Gwen Jorgensen, and just second off Shalane Flanagan's indoor record. Big things are ahead for Vanessa Frazier, and I'm really excited to watch her career and see what's in store for her. I want to let you all know, Vanessa and I recorded this interview about four weeks ago. So it was before everything got on crazy lockdown, before everything was canceled. And so some of this conversation might sound a little bit weird right now because we talk about the trials and the Olympics as if they were happening this year. So just know that this episode was recorded. I think it was recorded like March 2nd. So it was right after she had that breakthrough race in Boston. Uh, So yeah, it was, uh, it might sound kind of funny. Uh, All right, friends, if you are enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review. It's one of the best ways new listeners might be able to find us and make sure you are checking out our other shows in the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network, the Illuminate podcast, which I just dropped an episode with Pete the Planner. He is a financial expert and we talk about all kinds of things in that podcast episode. What's going on with the economy over the next few months? Should I invest now? Should I wait? Should I have cash on hand? What should I do if I get a stimulus check from the government? Pete answers all those questions in the most recent Illuminate podcast episode. And then check out the Up and Running podcast, my friend Lauren Flores host that podcast with Abby Stanley, and they are doing a great job bringing you all the news in elite and professional distance running and also doing really great catch-up episodes where they interview an elite runner on that podcast. Lauren and I also just caught up on my Patreon page. You can get that episode over there at patreon.com slash lindsayhine for as little as 3 or $5 a month. If you support the show, you can get access to that content. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Vanessa Frazier. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Vanessa Frazier to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Vanessa. Thank you. I haven't interviewed a Bowerman Track Club person in quite some time. I There was a phase there when I was going through all the Bowerman ladies, and so I'm excited to, to get back in with this. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I um, listened to your podcast when I was a fifth year at Stanford, and trying to figure out what my next steps were um, and choosing a professional group. And so I think I've listened to some of your original Bowerman Babe podcasts back in the day. That is amazing. (laughs) You know, that is so interesting to hear because I think that there's this wide range of listeners, right? And so Mm -hmm. when I have the younger generation of runners on the show, that's who the target is, right? Like women in college looking to see what their next step is. And that's so interesting to hear. Well, I'm honored that you listened to my show to find out what they were doing. So you were probably listening to like the Emily Enfield, Courtney Frey, Freywit, Ricks, uh, who else was on Shelby, Colleen. Yeah. Yeah. I pro I think I listened to all of them because I mean, it's the best way to sort of learn about other people's experiences going pro and, kind of like doing my market research. (laughs) 
Yeah, Emily was one of the very first professionals I ever had on the show. And it was a big deal because she had just won that, uh, her medal in the world championships and she was going to the Olympics. Mm hmm. Crazy. Uh, yeah, so cool. Well, you just had a really big weekend. Congratulations. Thank you. I feel like it was a huge weekend in running overall. There was a lot going on. Yeah. What was that like with you all going to Boston and running on the track while the Olympic trials were going on? It was well, it was fun because we kind of kicked off the weekend, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, so we got to have our special night on Thursday and then just sit back and watch everything else that went down. Um, but yeah, it was just overall really exciting. Yeah. When did you guys get back to Portland? Uh, Saturday. Okay. So you were like yeah. en route during while the trials were going on probably. <laughs> Yeah, well, I actually got to watch in Boston and then flew home that evening. So um, that was kind of fun. Okay, well, let's introduce you to the listeners a little bit. Um, I feel like I've heard you refer to yourself and Carissa and the women that you started the team with as like the freshman class at Bowerman, but now you've been there for a little while. So <laughs> yeah, let's let's introduce you Um can you just share a little bit about your life growing up so we can kind of get to know you starting from there? Yeah. Um, so I started running when I was in third grade. I did um, the Girls on the Run program. And I don't know if you're familiar with the program. Yes. Um, but I did that third through fifth grade and absolutely fell in love with running. And um, kind of at the same time, I developed this big dream to go to Stanford one day. Um, my mom's cousin played football at Stanford in the late 90s. And I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, just 45 minutes away from Stanford. So I was exposed to Stanford athletics at a young age and was really inspired by the school and the sports programs. And Girls on the Run was just really helped me learn how to set goals. And so I think it's interesting that that dream to go to Stanford kind of came up um, right when I got into running. And I never really thought that I would be a collegiate runner until maybe early high school, I started to have some success. And that's when I decided that I really wanted to run at Stanford. And I remember there's this one track meet that I went to. I was probably a freshman in high school and I brought a t-shirt and had all the Stanford runners that I could find sign my t-shirt. <laughs> and yeah, so I was able to turn that dream into reality my senior year of high school. And um, then I went on to do five years at Stanford. I redshirted my freshman year. And then I did a one-year master's program and finished out my eligibility my fifth year, which I think was really important to my development as a runner. I was always, I would say, a little bit of a late bloomer in running. I definitely wasn't a superstar in high school by any means. I had obviously good enough times to go to Stanford, but I was what you would call a preferred walk-on. So I didn't have any scholarships starting out and I was just honestly super happy to be there. And then um, I had an amazing coach at Stanford and also it was just an incredible team with so many talented runners and the combination of that really inspired me to try to see how good I could get at running and um, I just improved year after year. And by the time I was a fifth year, maybe my senior year, but really just my fifth year was when the professional running dream sort of came about. I didn't really know much about professional running before that. And it certainly wasn't something that I ever imagined myself doing. So yeah, and then I joined the team in summer of 2018. And yeah, I guess I still feel like a freshman. I feel like we're rookies, but it's technically our sophomore year, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have more, is there new underclassmen? I guess this, I mean, it's such a funny way to put it because you're not in school, but I, I get why. <laughs> but do you have new new people that have come in since you guys have went in? 
not on the women's side. Okay. Well, Chris and I joined together in the summer of 2018, and then Elise Cranny joined last February. So okay. she was about six months behind us. But um, and then just on the men's side, Grant Fisher joined the men's team this past summer. But yeah, so we're still sort of the youngest of the group. Yeah, it's so fun to watch that as as a fan and a spectator. You know, that's so cool that Girls on the Run was so instrumental in your running because it's such a chill program, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's such a wonderful program for for girls. And I just wonder, was there a certain coach in that program that kind of saw a talent in you or took interest in you that encouraged you to keep going and to pursue running in middle school and high school? Not necessarily. I think my coaches at Girls on the Run, I think similar to kind of the whole MO of the program is just that running is supposed to be really fun. And it's about setting goals for yourself and um, seeing how good you can be. And that was just sort of the attitude that I took from it, um, which I think was perfect for that age. And I think it's perfect even still to remember that really we run because it's fun and we're trying to see how good we can be. And it's just that simple. And um, I was I all through Girls on the Run and then also in middle school, I was not actually the fastest girl on the team. There was always one girl who always beat me and that mm-hmm. definitely motivated me because I was competitive. But I remember I got um, an end-of-the-year award at Girls on the Run one year, and uh, it was called the uh, Just One More Lap Please Award. (laughs) And it's because every day at practice, we would finish, they'd say, okay, time to stop running, and I would beg to do just one more lap. And that's kind of always been my spirit is even if I'm not – the fastest. I just love it. And I want to keep working to try to get better. That is really cool. I love that story. Well, yeah. And it reminds me of an Instagram post you did recently. Um, you finished sixth at one of your meets and, and you said mm-hmm. something along the lines of like, this might not sound glamorous, but the fact that I get to work and train with mm-hmm. women that are so fast and, you know, mm-hmm. we're all helping to better each other. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah, definitely. And I think I've had to work to remember that this first year and a half as a pro, because while it's amazing to train with some of the best in the world, it can be difficult at times when you're always comparing yourself to that standard. Mm. And I think I've really turned a corner even in the last couple months as far as being able to really focus on my personal progress and development and not like be so concerned about the results themselves and know that there's a bigger story behind every result and to really use those incredible teammates as a powerful tool rather than something that can make me feel bad about myself. Mm. Yeah. You know, you're at a really pivotal point in your life in general like I feel Mm -hmm. like the mid-20s is just a very you change a lot you Mm -hmm. really grow up a lot and you're like Mm -hmm. just right there in the thick of it right now for sure yeah I definitely feel that (laughs) yeah well one thing about your story that I love so much is the progress like the steady progression Mm -hmm. you know you talk about how you weren't like this big standout or whatever and um you were a walk-on to Stanford. What did you call Mm -hmm. it? A preferred walk-on. Okay. What's the difference between preferred and just a regular walk-on? I, I was technically recruited. I still went out on an official visit and, um, they got me an application. The athletic department got me an application. So they helped with the admissions process. Okay. But there was no, I had zero scholarship money. Um, So I guess a true walk-on would be somebody who didn't go through the recruiting process, got into school completely on their own, and then asked to join the team once they arrived at school. Okay. So that would be the difference between those terms. Okay. See, there might be some high school students listening 
Vanessa yeah. that, that need this information. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, similar to when you were seeking out your professional running information. Exactly. Yeah. So I love that part of your story. And I wonder if there was ever a time when you felt discouraged to not keep pursuing forward because you weren't like, oh, well, she's the one, you know, back in the day in those times and you were the preferred walk on. Um, and then you really worked hard at Stanford. But like you said, you maybe weren't that number one runner. So like, how did you manage those emotions? I think I just, I guess I was a little bit naive in that I didn't really know what it meant to be good at the collegiate level. And I didn't really think about myself being on that level. And so I think in a way it was nice. I didn't have high expectations for myself and I was just really excited to be a part of the team and show up to practice every day. And at the same time, I eventually kind of watched what it took to be good. And I had teammates, older teammates, who were very successful. And I started to pick up on that. But I was just focused on being a part of the group and improving a little bit every day. And I had, I guess, my first breakthrough uh, sophomore year outdoor track. Um, I broke 16 minutes in the 5k for the first time. And which is kind of fun to think about now having just broken 15 minutes yeah. for the first time. It's crazy. But I think back to that race was probably pretty pivotal because that's a that's a big milestone in um, women's running is, oh, you go under 16 minutes. It's pretty good. And that was such a huge improvement because I had run, I think, 16.22 my freshman year the year before. And so just getting a taste of getting a big PR and realizing at that point I'd been in the program for a year and a half and seen what time and effort in the process can do for you. I kind of caught the bug. And then from there, it was just, yeah, each year I saw improvement and that was a snowball effect to wanting more. And then all of a sudden I was qualifying for NCAAs and, you know, wanting to be competitive at that level. And it just piled on top of each accomplishment kind of added up. And then all of a sudden there I was. <laughs> Doing your thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard you say before that uh, you had a coach at one point say that you were in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And I wonder at that moment, did you did you really grasp that? Because now it's happening. You're seeing that actually go down in your life. I mean, coming off this big weekend in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. For those listeners who don't know, Vanessa just came became one second off the indoor American record in the 5K running, 14.48, which is really fast. And that's, by the way, number two to Shalane Flanagan. So, um, yeah, now that it's happening, did you realize it at the time? And now are you seeing it happen? I am seeing it happen now. I definitely didn't realize it at the time. My uh, high school coach would always say I was in it for the long haul. And I thought that meant, you know, I would go on to run collegiately and live out a full collegiate career. And then my college coach said similar things as well. And again, when that, that was at the beginning of college, I thought, oh, he really sees me as having potential to be good by the end of my collegiate career. And then he's still saying that to me at the end of my collegiate career when I realize, oh, I have the potential to keep doing this as a profession. And it's just something that I literally never would have imagined for myself. Um, and I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I was just not very aware of the professional running scene and just didn't know it was possible for myself. Did you grow up in a sports family? Like, were your parents runners? My parents were not runners. Okay. My mom's brother was an 800-meter runner, 
but that that's the only connection I have to running. <laughs> okay. And, and do you have any siblings? I don't have any siblings. No. Okay. Talk to us about that. What's that like growing up as an only child? Well, I don't think I really thought anything of it when I was growing up, but I actually feel like now I wish I had siblings okay. to go through like young adulthood with. Mm-hmm. And, but it was, it was fine. I was like best friends with my dog <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I was really close with my parents. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anything different. Okay. Yeah. I always tell my kids when they're fighting, I'm like, just so you know, you're going to be happy you have each other when you grow up. So just, yeah, you got to get through it now. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I wish I had now, but it's okay. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about, um, joining Bowerman. And I know you've mentioned that you listened to podcasts to hear how the other ladies made that decision, but what, like, and I love hearing the stories of like who contacted who mm-hmm. and all that. So, so spill that. Yeah. Well, I think after 2016, Bowerman obviously gained a lot of attention, just mm-hmm. sending so many women to the Olympics. And so I took note of that. And then I think as I was starting to look at groups, I kind of started the process maybe March or April, which is a little bit on the later side, but my coach always encouraged me to just focus on running well and said that the rest would follow. But then around March, I started getting really antsy and I said, I'm such a planner. I need to start this process and at least put some feelers out and see, you know, who would be interested because it's really hard to know. And and I really didn't think there would be a possibility of joining Bowerman just because there were already so many good women there. And I thought, well, like, why would they want me mm. <laughs> if they already have such a big, good group? And I mean, I ran well in college, but I never, you know, won a national title. I actually was never even top three at NCAAs. And that was a big goal of mine going into my last outdoor season, which I did not achieve that. But I think in my mind, I was wondering, you know, what could they possibly think that I have to offer if I'm not even close to the level of the caliber of people that are there. Um, But I did run some pretty decent times. Um, I ran 1520 at Peyton Jordan the spring of my fifth year, which is solid. And I knew that I felt like I had a lot of potential still left in the tank, which is goes back to my coach kind of saying that I'm in it for the long haul. I would say he trained me pretty conservatively in college, which I'm really grateful for because I think it's just nice to be able to slowly progress year after year rather than trying to squeeze it all out at once. Who was the coach and then? Chris Miltenberg. Okay. And he's now the head coach at University of North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, I think his philosophy is awesome. And so I was talking to agents and a bunch of other coaches and Jerry was the one coach that I hadn't made contact yet with. <laughs> oh, the elusive <Alyssa laughs> Jerry. <laughs> exactly. And I was really nervous. Um, even just asking Coach Milt, my college coach, like, do you think this is possible? Like, I was really nervous just asking him that mm-hmm. question because mm-hmm. I was afraid he was going to say, yeah, like, good luck with that. I don't think that's going to happen. And... Um, I think my my fifteen twenty five k at Peyton was helpful because Coach Mill ended up calling Jerry after that, and Jerry said he was really interested in talking to me, and he called me later that night. Ooh, and were you so excited? <laughs> yeah, I was so nervous. I bet. <laughs> um, but like everybody says, and I feel like I was prepared for this. He's so easy to talk to once you get him on the phone. He's super chatty and just the nicest guy. Um, So I think we ended up talking for around an hour. And 
yeah, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> I love what you say about your, your coach in college. And I just want to like acknowledge him and highlight that. Since yeah. There's so much negative talk about things that young women have been through with their college coaches with whether it be body image stuff or like running too many miles, doing too much too soon. Mm -hmm. So I would just love to hear you talk a little bit more about him so we can kind of just shine the spotlight on him a little bit. Yeah. Um, he, he was tough on me my freshman year in a good way because I think he saw potential for me to be good. And like I kind of alluded to, I don't think I necessarily saw that potential, at least at first. And he would, he would tell me, I mean, I was, I was a little bit social my freshman year. I guess. <laughs> That's a good thing. You were the right age for that. <laughs> it was a good thing. And I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. It's just I enjoyed putting in time to making friends outside of the track team and enjoying the experiences of freshman year. And I think he definitely picked up on that and told me that, you know, if I really poured in all my energy to running, that I could be really, really good one day. And he said that to me a lot. And I, it took me a long time to believe it, but I'm really glad that he did that because I think sometimes it takes somebody else believing in you before you can get yourself to believe in yourself. And he was really good at that. And then once I kind of had that breakthrough my sophomore year, he, yeah, he would just reiterate that it's a long-term process it's not about doing anything crazy or special any given year or any given day it's just about accumulating miles and working your legs year after year and in fact there can be you know downfalls to trying to do too much too soon and he was also very team oriented, which I really appreciated about my college experience. We just wanted to do really well as a team in cross country. And, you know, we would do all the workouts as a big group in cross country and run our races, focusing on working together in cross country rather than making it too individualized. And I think that that's really important to have a team oriented mindset especially in college but I think it's helped me as a pro too even though we're not out there trying to win a team title mm. and we're not like scoring points for the same team I feel that same energy of kind of running for something bigger than myself which he always emphasized and I think it's really powerful for um, your running to think that way and yeah, he was just very encouraging, always, again, always sort of was a step ahead of me in terms of believing what was possible. And I, I really appreciate that energy. Yeah, it's like you have two dreams come true. You get to run for Stanford, which you've mm -hmm. dreamed about your entire life. Mm -hmm. And then you get to run for the Bowerman Track Club. But I just love that your story is not so like seamlessly perfect. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love how you, um, you know, you mentioned like you really wanted to win an NCAA title or be top three. And mm -hmm. it just makes me think about like when we set out to achieve big goals, like just because that big goal doesn't happen at a certain time, like doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't mean your dream is off the line. Right. Right. And I think it's a good reminder that it's almost more so about having that dream and the process and pursuit of that dream rather than what ends up happening. And I've certainly had big dreams come true in my life with going to Stanford and getting to run for Bowerman, but I've had other goals, like I said, not winning an NCAA title, both wanted to do that as a team or as an individual or both. Right. <laughs> um, 
those didn't come true. And that was a tough pill to swallow uh, when I first left college. But really, it was just about the fact that I got to the point where that was a goal is amazing. And the fact that I got to share that mission with a group of like minded people. And I think it's important to remember that going into something like the Olympic year where, you know, everybody wants to make the Olympic team. And that's great to have that huge dream scenario. But knowing that it's really not about that outcome, it's more about the pursuit of that and how you are able to grow as an athlete and as a person in the day-to-day process of trying to get there. Yeah. Talk about that now. Cause you are growing mm-hmm. as an athlete. Now you, you know, you're in your second year. Is it your second year at Bowerman? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Your second full year. And I want to hear about like what that's been like to train with people, you know, people like Shelby Houlihan, who, mm-hmm. you know, when Shelby set that American record and the whole world went crazy, or at least uh, all the <laughs> running fans in America went crazy. Like you were actually running in that race with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So share with us what's that like as you're growing as an athlete to train alongside someone like Shelby. It is really amazing to watch the kind of workouts that she does. And it's also really inspiring when there are inevitably lots of hard workouts in your first year where you're not able to finish them and you feel discouraged. And Shelby's always there on the cool down telling you to be patient and telling you about her trials and tribulations of her first year and telling you that she wasn't able to finish workouts similarly and that, you know, took her two years really, but she also says it wasn't until year three that she really fully felt like she was herself as an athlete. And So to have that combination of watching what she's able to do now and to have her there telling you all those things, um, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible and inspiring. And, um, yeah, well, when she broke the outdoor American record in the 5k, I was in that race, but I just spent um, the previous week in St. Moritz with the team. And that was my first experience with the team. And so I got to see her last workout that she did, her last like really hard workout that she did before that 5K American record. And it was like, literally, I couldn't fathom (laughs) what she was doing. Like, it was so incredible. And that was my first experience with the team. And it was just really exciting. I just couldn't believe that I got to be a part of that and was going to get to witness you know, more incredible things along the way. And, and I do feel like I've always been somebody who thrives in an environment where there are people better than me, um, which was certainly the case at Stanford, given that I didn't even make the top seven my freshman year um, for cross country. And so it was just a lot of excitement that I was going to get to be around that. And I've always known that you know, whatever I end up accomplishing, I know that it's going to be because I had those people ahead of me really inspiring me. All right, everybody, I'm going to take a quick break and thank a sponsor for this episode. And that is Feels. Feels is a CBD oil that I have been using and I highly recommend it. It is a better way to feel better. Navigating the world of CBD can be super complicated. I feel like there are tons of products everywhere and you never know how much to take when to take it. And what Feels does is they direct their product directly to your doorstep. It's premium CBD. And what I love about Feels is they have a free hotline, a CBD hotline and text message support to guide you with your personal experience. So you can ask them any questions about dosage, how much to take, when to take it, what you're taking it for, and they will give you all the information you need. Now I have dealt with quite a bit of anxiety in my life and also insomnia and feels has greatly helped me with that. I'm a strong believer. And if you are looking for something to help with your stress or anxiety or chronic pain, or if you have trouble sleeping, this is a product that you might consider trying. All right. So check out feels 
Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash another and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash another to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash another. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Vanessa Frazier. Yeah, that top seven, that's always like a big, you know, that's your varsity team. Did you... At what what year in school did you become one of the top runners and did you bounce around a little bit? Yeah, I think I, my sophomore year, I was, I guess, part of the top seven. Um, but my college coach didn't really like talking about that because he mm. said that mm. everybody is equally a part of the top seven, quote unquote. Yeah. And everybody's a part of the team, whether you're racing in that group at NCAAs or not. Um, but the order of who would finish where was always ever changing. Mm. So yeah, just, I guess my freshman year, I traveled as the alternate to pack 12s and I thought I was maybe going to get to race, but it didn't happen. But that really motivated me to want to be a part of it. Wow. That's so cool that you were, like, like I, this, I, this sounds negative saying it, but like yeah. that you weren't a standout Yeah, and you're yeah. running with the Bowerman track club now. And you just came a second off of <laughs> Shalane's indoor record and in the 5k. So, I mean, if that's not motivation for someone, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. I, it's pretty crazy. I definitely have surprised myself many times, including this past week. Uh, was a huge shock to myself. So I think it's just a good reminder that, you know, yeah, we shouldn't limit what we think is possible and that self-belief goes a long way, but I didn't even believe that that was possible. <laughs> it's so great. Now tell me, so this was a race, um, you know, it everything worked out just how you wanted it to. It clicked, and I'm just mm -hmm. curious, like, why now and what has what has changed and how do you think that all came together? Mm, I think to start with, so we had our six-week altitude camp in Colorado, January through mid-February. And that was my third altitude training camp with the team. And it took me a long time to kind of get the hang of the altitude training thing. And I still struggle with it a lot but this camp was by far the best one I just felt like I was recovering better and able to do the workouts better and I was just really consistent with my mileage and the overall training the whole camp and so I felt hopeful leaving that camp that okay I really feel like I'm not leaving completely fried like I did last summer going into USA's I felt like I was so drained and this time I was like that's a huge win <laughs> I'm not leaving a piece of toast and um <laughs> and then we raced our first race was in Seattle where I did a 3k and I was kind of negative about it I felt like I just didn't meet my expectations I really wanted to run under 850 I ran 851 and you know, the next fastest teammate in that race was Courtney and she was four seconds ahead of me. And I was super focused on the fact that there was this big gap between me and the rest of my teammates and not understanding why I couldn't keep up with them in the race because I have been keeping up with them in training and just getting really fixated on that. And then it just sort of clicked, like, I need to stop being focused on those things and I need to start focusing on things that I'm doing well and the things that I did well in that race I led for I don't know like 800 meters of it six 800 meters of it and I felt strong doing that and I just didn't close as fast as I wanted to but let's focus on the fact that I felt strong for that first part of the race and let's focus on the fact that I've been putting in really consistent training. And so then going into USA is in Albuquerque 
I think I had a much better mindset even going into the race about, you know, it's not about what place I get. It's about how I compete and I just want to put myself in it. And then, yeah, we kind of talked about how I walked away with sixth place, but I didn't have a negative view of that result at all. I just thought, wow, this is so awesome that we put five people on our team were in the top six at this race. And I'm, I am a part of that and I do belong with that. And this is another positive step for me. And I, I really think that that mentality was a big shift for me and was really helpful going into the 5k. And then, you know, the next two weeks between indoor USA's and the 5k, I just was able to get really excited about the possibilities of the 5k. And my goal was to break 15 minutes. And I was just focused on doing that. And um, Courtney and Emily had the same goal and I felt like we were all, all on the same page in training and I was just really excited to go attack that goal with with them and so I don't know I think a large part of it was just getting excited about the possibility of what I could do and also just being really positive about the progress that I have made rather than be negative about the fact that I wasn't where I wanted to be yet and I went into the race more confident than I've been in probably two years in my running. And I just said, like, I'm going to go for it. I don't care. And I raced that way. And um, I think that's what I'm most proud of is that I was able to find that self-confidence and that fire that has been kind of hard to find um, on the professional level so far. What would you say, like, have you changed anything in your day-to-day life or anything you're reading that has, like, sparked that confidence? No. Um, No, not really. I think it was just kind of the succession of events and, like, working on my mindset in the past month and just getting really excited for it. I was, I don't know, just really loose and not putting pressure on myself but at the same time was like so confident that I wanted to go attack this goal so no I wasn't really doing anything different other than it just sort of seemed to develop over the course of those events yeah it kind of sounds like it just kind of like letting things be yeah 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 just doing you're putting the work in and doing what mm -hmm. you need to do and showing Mm -hmm. up and believing Mm -hmm. in yourself Mm -hmm. yeah exactly What's it like um, training with such talented and fierce competitors who y'all are going to be going for spots on the Olympic team? Yes. And you're all (laughs) on the same team and you're all running a lot of crossover distances. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I just interviewed um, three of the women on the NAS elite team that were all three trying to make, you know, the spots for the Olympic team in the marathon Mm -hmm. and, only one of them did, but you know, they obviously all went into that race hoping that they would all three grab those top three spots. Right. Right. Um, so, so I know there's a lot of mixed emotions too, because if you're not going to make the team, you're going to be happiest next if your teammate makes the team, but talk about that kind of, uh, pressure and just maybe not pressure, but talk about how you feel about that. The initial emotion is definitely stress <laughs> and and not something that I want to deal with, I guess. Like, I just <laughs> wish that there were spots for all of us. And, you know, I wish we could all make it. Or I sort of experienced it at USA's last year because there were five of us that lined up in the 5K. And even though Shelby wasn't going to be taking her spot in the 5K, there's still five of us on the line. And there's three spots for the world team. And so I kind of already got an experience with that. And I don't think I handled it well. Mm. Um, I just, I, yeah, I don't like the idea of competing against my teammates and, you know, in college you're so used to not really caring which of your teammates is ahead of you as long as you're, you know, scoring points to try to do as best as you can as a team. And it's just so different when, there's not like a team trophy on the line. It is very individual. And 
So I'm glad I had that experience last summer and was able to feel those emotions. And I think at least I'm prepared for what that feels like. And I am going to try to approach it a lot different at the Olympic trials. And we've all talked about it with each other a little bit too. And, you know, agree that it's, it kind of sucks, (laughs) (laughs) but um, then I think you can, you really can turn it into a powerful thing and say like, we're lining up with some of the best in the country and we've been training with each other and we know we're super prepared. And then all you can do is just focus on having your best possible race. And it's really like putting the blinders on and saying like, I'm going to execute exactly how I need to execute. And I know that my teammates are going to do the same thing. And, you know, I know that I want it and I know they want it. And I'm just going to focus on doing what I need to do. And then whatever the result is, you know that you did everything you could. And I mean, I think that's the best way to handle it. Yeah, I mean, they would be, whether you trained with them or not, those ladies would be at the starting line. So the fact that they're right. your teammates, like that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what does the next 16 weeks look like? So... I am going to be running a 10K at Stanford Invite in about a month. And Jerry has said many times that he thinks I'm going to be a really good 10K runner, which is exciting and also scary because it's really long. It is really long on the track. (laughs) But I'm really excited just to try the event. I did it at conference in college, but it was always really tactical. So I've never run a hard fast-paced 10k so I am really curious just about how that's going to feel and I think depending on how that goes that will shape the rest of my outdoor season um but we do know that we'll be going to Park City for altitude and preparation for the trials and obviously the trials is the main focus yeah so does that mean you're not sure what event you'll be doing at the trials Yes, it would, <laughs> it would be, yeah, possibly 5K and 10K or just the 5K, probably. So definitely the 5K, though. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe the 10K as well. Yes. Does that, what do you think about that? I know you said it, it gets you excited, but that's such a big shift. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really double the distance. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've just trying to have a really open mind about it I don't really have any expectations either way about how it's gonna go um but I like to imagine the possibility that I'm gonna feel really strong and it's gonna go really well and I'm gonna love it so that's what I'm hoping for good that's a good attitude (laughs) at the same time it's like there's not a lot of pressure for it to be anything special because you know I'm still working on the 5k and still feel like I have more in the tank in the 5k. So I think it's a good place to be. Yeah. So when you're altitude camp, I know you guys are usually in like a couple separate houses. Who, who are your housemates or who have they been in the past? I have been with Kate and Colleen, um, all three camps. And then this past camp, Emily joined our house and then Elise was also in our house. How do they choose? How do you, how does that get picked out? Um, I think Jerry just, Jerry just assigns them, but that was the breakdown of the houses starting last year and it went well. So then I think he just kept choosing the same combination of people since it was working. So does he like purposely choose veterans with the younger class? I think so. I think he tries to like, mix it up a little bit just in terms of event group and age yeah as well mm-hmm. okay so we highlighted your college coach coach let's highlight jerry yes <laughs> what are some of your favorite things about jerry i like that he is very level-headed nothing is ever a big deal <laughs> which mm-hmm. seems it's kind of nice like i mean i i have had many races in the past year where I've been very hard on myself and very disappointed and it's just not a big deal to him at all he's just 
kind of shrugs it off and says, oh, okay, well, we could probably get better at this or we could probably just need to work on our strength so that we have more closing speed. Or he always says that he thinks I did a good job, even if I don't think I did a good job, which I think is nice because I'm trying to work on, you know, telling myself I did a good job more often as well. Um, so I really like that. And I really like how confident he is in all of his plans for us and how calculated he is. And it just makes him really easy to trust. And I was able to buy into his philosophy and his program right away, which I think is the most important thing with any coach is that you buy in and commit and trust no matter what. Um, but he makes that pretty easy to do. <laughs> he's definitely knows what he's doing, which is, I think it's just fun to watch how he trains everybody and how he gets everybody prepared to do such amazing things. Um, it's just been fun to have a behind the scenes look into all of that. Well, Vanessa, this has been fun and I've loved getting to know you a little bit more and, um, you know, it makes me excited to think that there might be someone listening that could be in, like in the shoes that you were in just, you know, three or four years ago when you were listening to to Emily and the those uh, women on the show. Yeah, I know. That makes me excited, too. Yeah. And I, I think that your story would give people a lot of encouragement and hope with that, too, because, yeah, you've just come so far and you're. You're just living the dream that you kind of set out for yourself. So that's a really cool thing. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's it's important to remember that everybody's story is different and paths to success look very different. And just because you're at a certain point at a certain time doesn't mean that you can't get to where you want to go eventually. Yep. Don't let those... Those one-offs are not achieving one goal. That's like the, that's the message I'm like personally taking from this conversation is like, if I set a goal for myself, just because I don't hit it doesn't mean that the bigger picture isn't like uh, the bigger picture goal can't still be attained. Yeah, absolutely. Write that down, people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's do the end of the podcast questions. Sweet. Let's do it. What is one thing professionally or personally that you would like to do that you have not done yet? This is tough for me because I feel like, I don't know, I, I've i already like done things that I didn't imagine were possible. So I don't even know if I want to like put a limit on what I think is possible in the future. Um, I mean, obviously, everybody would say this, but... Um, Running in the Olympics would be amazing. And also just I'd like to travel more, which luckily we get to do that a lot with our job. And what's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, I think every time I PR'd in the 5K, I was most proud of that. Um, so the first time I broke 16 minutes at that time, I probably would have said I was most proud of that. And then... Um, then I ran 1541 the next year and then I ran 1525 the year after that. And then I ran 1509 the year after that. And each of those times was equally as special. Um, and so when I look at that overall picture, I'm like proud of each of those steps that I took. Um, and then obviously running 1448 last week probably have to say I'm most proud of that (laughs) but um the only championship that I won in college was the Pac-12 10k so I guess I would have to pick that as far as a race that I won um and then our distance medley relay team was runner-up twice at NCAAs which is bittersweet because it was by like 0.02 (laughs) each time. But I'm also really proud of that. And our team finished third as a team um, at Outdoor Nationals my last year. Um, And I'm pretty proud of that because Stanford as a track program hadn't been, you know, that high up in a long time. 
ever, I think. So that's a lot of accomplishments, but it's kind of hard to pick one. I think that's good. I think it's good that you're remembering each of those experiences. And um, question for those who might not be super educated on indoor versus outdoor track, like what does that 1448 I know you can't like technically translate it to outdoor, but like, Mm. can you kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah. I don't actually think there's too much of a difference. It's, um, we run on an, on a banked 200 meter track indoor and then outdoors, obviously the traditional 400 meter track. So some say you get a benefit running indoor because there's no wind and it's perfect conditions, but technically because the turns are tighter um I guess it could be a little bit slower but the turns are also banked which helps and the Boston track is also like the fastest indoor track in the world so (laughs) I think it all kind of evens out I don't really I don't really know if it makes a huge difference how is why is the Boston track the fastest indoor track in the world I know people would say like Monaco was a really fast outdoor track yeah why is that I think it has to do with the surface and the way it's built. It's, it feels kind of bouncy. Um, and then also the angle of the banked turns are just an ideal angle for running fast for longer distances. I think. (laughs) Does it give you motivation to want to go break the American record? (laughs) Um, it gives me motivation to want to run faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't know. I would have my work cut out for me with that. But it's kind of funny because um, I was running with Carissa and Shelby a lot at Altitude Camp. And they were talking about how they both want to, like, re-break Shelby's American mm-hmm. record in the 5K. And I was kind of running along saying, well, like, I just want to break 15 minutes in the 5K. Like, that is just so far off from anything that I'm thinking about. So the fact that I'm even, like, a step closer to being more in that range is really exciting. But I think that's still, like, a ways off for what I'd be able to do. <laughs> that's awesome, though. You took a really big step in that direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's a nonprofit you like to support? I have to say Girls on the Run, Mm -hmm. um, just because how much it impacted my life. And, and then, uh, when I was in high school, I actually coached a Girls on the Run program for a year. And so I've seen it from both sides and seen what an amazing, powerful impact it's had on me and other young girls. Um, so yeah, it's pretty close to my heart. I love that. If you could have coffee, cocktail, or tea with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? I have to go with a stand-up comedian. I would probably pick Trevor Noah. Mm. I went to his show in Portland in the fall, and I actually walked away from the show saying, you know, oh, everybody always asks, like, who's a fun person you could get dinner with or coffee or whatever and I've never known the answer and then walking away from that show I was like I would pick Trevor because or any stand-up comedian for that matter but I just am so curious what they're like in a more casual Mm -hmm. setting and are they super funny and witty I'm sure they are but I'd like to experience that humor in a casual setting so I think it's just so impressive what they do And it would be such a cool skill to have to be that funny. (laughs) Um, But I do like Trevor Noah as well, because I read his book, Born a Crime, about growing up in South Africa. And he just has a really interesting life story as well. But I also recently found out about Michelle Wolf, who has a funny um, special on Netflix, that she's a really big fan of running oh and she follows our team and stuff and so I'm like that is actually a reasonable possibility that that could happen one day yeah you have (laughs) it in (laughs) that would be cool too I just want to learn how to be funny basically (laughs) oh same I also love comedy as well and 
I always think like, would a, someone that's that funny, would they be intimidating to have, you know, mm. dinner with? Cause like you can't keep up with how funny they are or do they just like go to totally. straight up totally normal? <laughs> I think I'd be a little bit intimidated, but then it's like, I know they would carry the mood as well. That's true. You don't have to hold any of that. You don't have to. It's yeah. Not, it's not on you. Yeah. Okay. A Catherine Wolf. I'll have to check her out. Michelle Wolf. Oh, Michelle Wolf. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. if does she run or is she just a fan of running? I think she runs like, you know, for fun or for personal reasons. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's like, I'm kind of amazed that she's such a big fan of the sport just because I feel like, I don't know, not that many people outside of the running world think that running is really cool. <laughs> yeah. I feel like even like, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, even the casual runner, like they don't follow like, exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like I know so much about certain things because of this podcast and I'll talk to my friends who are just casual runners and I'll name like, I'll, I'll talk about someone that's just like someone that everybody in the running community knows and they'll have no idea who it was. And I'm like, wait, how do you not know who Des Linden is? You know what right, I mean? Right, right, it's right. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's such a, um, I get what you're saying. Well, look, okay, I'll try to get her on the podcast. and Oh, you should. We can talk about like how she follows Bowerman on Instagram. We can make this happen. If she's a fan of the sport, we can make this happen. Perfect. Let's do it. We can join forces. <laughs> um, all right. What's the best, most recent book you've read? I really enjoyed uh, Lopez Lamong's book, Running for My Life. I really enjoy autobiographies in general, but it was just super crazy to read his story, knowing him and being teammates with him. And just what he went through is mind blowing. Um, so I would, yeah, I'd have to pick his book. Okay. I recently read his book as well. Oh, yeah. Yes, you're, and I'm trying to get him on the podcast, and he's not responding. So you're going to have to give him a nudge. Okay, I will talk to him about that. Tell him <laughs> if he comes on the podcast, we can help him sell more books. That's his <laughs> there reason. We go. That's, That's his good. reason. Um, yes, very good book. I cried several times running on the treadmill, reading it on my Kindle, and mm -hmm. um, I can't believe I actually waited this long to to read it. It is incredible. <laughs> so tell me, what is your one message to send to the world? Uh, I think while this sort of like is along the theme of what we talked about, just that as runners and as people, we're so much more than our achievements. And we're so much more than a failure to reach achievements, I guess. Mm. Um, I, t I took a class my last year at Stanford and we it was it was kind of like personal leadership and we did a bunch of different personality tests and the Enneagram test and I was the achiever type along <laughs> with most of the people in the classroom <laughs> and I think that's probably like the type that a lot of us runners are and um, the downfall of being an achiever type is that you tie a lot of your self-worth to what you achieve and it's super easy to do as a runner because we have concrete times that tell us how fast we are and we can compare that to other people and um, I think it's great that we have that and it's great to have big goals and to chase fast times and to chase titles but just like remembering that we're so much more than that and that our value comes completely independent of that. Very good. I like that. All right, Vanessa. Well, I appreciate your time. And uh, man, I'm excited for you. I hope that you continue to celebrate that big accomplishment from the weekend. And um, you can kind of take that enthusiasm into your next race. Yeah, thank you. I will definitely um, enjoy it for a while and hopefully use it as positive momentum. But thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you're all having a great day. It is raining here in Indianapolis, but we are going to make the most of it here on this Friday. Thank you, Vanessa, for coming on the show. You all can find Vanessa on Instagram. She is Nessa, N-E-S-S-A, 
Frazier, F-R-A-S-E-R. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Definitely join our group over there as well. Lots of great conversation going on over there. All right, friends, I hope you're having the best day. I know it's a tough time right now, but we are going to get through this. Thank you so much to all of our first responders, healthcare workers, grocery store workers, bank workers, anybody who is out there working still on the front lines, doing what needs to get done while the rest of us stay home. And yeah, I'm just so thankful for all of you. All right. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday. This is the Sydney Books and Podcast.